Hello everyone. Hello everyone. Welcome to the next version of the Gulf Coast Poker Podcast. Uh, it's Gene D uh, with my co-owner and co-host uh, Wild Bill Phillips. Uh, before we get into our next guest, uh, Bill, go ahead and uh, let them know what we got coming up in uh, Shreveport in December. Morning, everybody. Uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. We got the Bally's 400K Holiday Bash. We're partnering with Southern Poker and, of course, Bally's Shreveport on this. I think the guest that we have today is perfect for it because Bally's ran uh, a little tournament about a month or so ago to kind of test the waters. And he won the first event for a big chunk of change. And then he was also in on a big chunk of change in the main event as well. Uh, this time, we're going to have a 100K guarantee on the opening event with $300 buy-in. They're also adding a 50K guaranteed Texas stack on Monday after the opening weekend, which should be a lot of fun. We're going to have you know, our 9 to 5 events, uh, Mystery Bounty event, some guaranteed 25K guaranteed monster stack, and, of course, a main event for $600 buy-in with 100K guarantee as well. So we're expecting big turnout for that. It's been a while since Streetport's had a really big series, and we're very excited to get there and work with Southern Poker and Valley Streetport. Good deal, good deal. Well, the next guest uh, we're gonna has been on a huge heater later lately, and um, our first question is going to be for him to just explain to us uh, the success he's been having, and then he'll explain to us uh, how he got into poker. Uh, welcome, Chuck Brady. Chuck, how you doing? Great, great. How's it going? Just got back from picking up my latest trophy from Poker Girl, uh, the 2021 Mahindra tractor. Damn, that's great. So do we call you Tractor Truck now? Is that the new nickname? Uh, no, no, no. Bulldog Brady. <laughs> Bulldog Brady. Bulldog Brady. Chuck, let me ask you this. Since you, Chuck, let me ask you this since you mentioned the tractor. You are unlike a lot of other poker players. When you have success, you you talk about the trophy being a tractor. What are some of the other things that you've done right after uh, winning in poker? Um, biggest thing, paying off the land. Uh, we got, uh, and then uh, last year after Pearl River, bought a $16,000 zero turn. That really helps uh, mow the six acres I have to cut every week. <laughs> um, and then my tractor blew up after Ida uh, running a gener a big PTO generator, and been needing to get a new one ever since. So I, you know, my machines or whatever I might get, they're they're the true trophies. So you've been uh, so you having success. I'm sorry. Yeah, so you've had success uh, in, at Pearl River and at Poker Girl, the past two Poker Girls, right? Yeah, um, last year uh, won two tournaments, took a fourth, 
Uh, this year took the opening event, um, chopped, I think, the third event, and the last event I chopped out of kindness. <laughs> uh, we we had been talking about chopping at four-handed, and there was one player that uh, he didn't want to chop. We were we were even in stacks uh, at ten to twelve big blinds each, and it, it, he was adamant about not chopping. So I made it my mission to go after him, and in the process, I took out the fourth place D, and then I took out him. And when we were talking about chopping four-handed, Burton was the chip leader at one point, and he was willing to do it and even chop at that point. And so I think I had him like three and a half, four to one in chips, but because he was being honorable back then, I was honorable with him in the end. So we did an even chop, and I took the trophy. That's the closer, uh, right? Um, yep, that was the closer. So, Chuck, you got a big compound. Uh, you, you buy tractors and uh, solar panels and all these kind of things with your uh, poker winnings. Um, that's kind of different than a lot of other people. <clears throat> what do you do to manage your bankroll? Do you, do you put some aside for future poker tournaments, or you just invest it all and um, see what happens down the line? I know you also have a 9-to-5, which is very helpful for tournament players. Well, it's not too much nine to five. I would just get paid really well to do what I do. And uh, I, I spend, or spend half my time here on our mini farm and half the time out doing inspections or playing poker. Um, now it's downtime to try and catch up on taking care of the animals. We got pigs, rabbits, chickens. Um, yeah, solar. Uh, just pretty much trying to be self-sufficient on on our own property. Yeah. Are you guys completely off the grid now? No, uh, not totally, but with the matter of just clicking a switch, that's all it takes. Yeah. Good deal. So well, tell we, us how you got in the... Tell us how you got into poker. Um, started playing. Uh, well, gonna have to go back fifty years for that. <laughs> um, I, I little story about my World Series win in 2019. Um, I I went I went uh, to my mom's house and I showed her my ring. And, she started crying and I, I thought it was out of happiness and it was out of sadness because then she started, Oh, my daddy and all that gambling. Oh Lord, not my son too. And I was kind of shocked. And I, I asked one of my uncles a few weeks later about it. And he's like, I don't know why she was crying. That's how he put food on the table. He was the bookie for three parishes, repeats of oils, and another one all around the Alexandria area in South. And if you were making a bet, you were betting with that man, Howard the Bulldog Tubri. Um, so that story 
that is the man that taught me to play poker when I was five years old. Um, you know, I didn't didn't mean to hurt my mom's feelings, but uh, I guess we have two different sights of my grandfather and her father. <laughs> she looked at him as a degenerate, and I looked at him as a scholar for me. I don't know. Um, but uh, I have a picture hanging on my wall. It's a charcoal drawing of two mules. Um, one's black, one's white, and their names are Vines and Harris. And uh, my grandfather, you know, he'd sit me on his knee and tell me about this poker game that he won those mules off of a black farmer named Vines Harris. So he named the mules after the farmer he took them from. Um, and when I was about, I don't know, eight, nine years old, I'd go up there to visit the farm south of Alexandria, but really uh, my mom didn't know, but my grandfather was taking me around to deal in underground games in the back of smoky bar rooms to old men dealing stud, hold them. Uh, I never really learned to deal Raz, but I was dealing when I was eight, nine years old for several years uh, on the weekends. Uh, that's basically how I learned. So. When did you start playing competitively as far as tournaments, um, and when, what, what was your first big win where you thought, Hey, you know, I, I think I can make money in this, uh, poker tournament world. Um, well, I was living out West at the time and, you know, I was playing in underground rooms and never really thought about WSOP or tournaments or anything like that. I was just playing cash and. Um, I was in a bar in Salt Lake somewhere. I was living in Utah, and they've got ESPN up, and here's Moneymaker making his big bluff against Farha. And I'm like, whoa, this guy's just an amateur doing this to this pro. Hell, anybody can do that. Maybe I'll try it. Um, I didn't make it to the WSOP until 2005 um, because of timing and money, a bankroll, but I I, I wasn't trying to enter anything big. Um, I went down there with 2,600 and had won enough in six days from satellites to buy myself into the main. I turned 2,600 into 38,000 um, and had my buy-in, but had to leave due to uh, some employee issues. I own my own company in Utah, so um, I had to I had to leave Vegas and head back up there. Uh, later that year, I uh, took a ring, took a second place, won a nightly and cashed in the mains. So it was a pretty good week. And that was my first 
time back really playing. I mean, I played in some smaller tournaments, but that was my first step up into larger tournaments since 2005. That's a a nice week right there. So your first big uh, score was the World Series of Poker main event? Is is that it? Or what was your first big score? Um, The biggest, well, the first real big score was at Pearl River. Um, You know, I, I mean, I'd had stuff that you know, it was over five thousand or over ten thousand, but uh, what thirty-four k at Pearl River last year, and I bought that mower as my trophy. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I heard you some nerd, Bill. <laughs> um, What's that? Yeah, so. I, I said I heard you smirk when I said that. That's but uh yes. you know, every time I climb up on a machine I just say thank you poker players. Uh. <laughs> um so it's interesting and we were looking through your hen and mob and I think it doesn't reflect what you did before you took your hiatus from poker, but it does show thirty results, nine of which are wins. Let me see, I wrote this down somewhere. Nine are victories outright out of 30, which is an incredible ratio. You got four seconds and six more are top five finishes. So that's 19 out of 30 are top five finishes with nine victory. People want to know, what are you doing to close out these tournaments and get these wins that other players aren't doing? What is your philosophy at the final table? Um. Now you're asking me to give up strategy. Yeah. You got to be careful <laughs> at this point. Yeah. It's, I think the biggest thing is if you are catching cards, it's a matter of how you play them when you get them. So people say, oh, you got lucky. You know, yeah, I did get lucky to get those cards, but how did I play those cards? You know, what did I do to take that person's stack? And that's what I do is try and go after a stack. I don't try and get a grind up. I'm trying to take stacks and crush dreams. That's all it is. <laughs> and, you know, if, if people want to try and take my stack in the in the meantime, they might get lucky against me, but uh, that's a risk I'm willing to take. And I think that you have to – be an aggressive gambler in the end um, to try and to try and do that. I don't really have any kind of style or play that matches anything. I've never read a book, never watched uh, poker on TV for any length of time. I uh, just played a game that I was taught by my grandfather, and it did. I mean, he played cash, but just, I think the will to win more than anything is what he taught me. Yeah, that's uh. Um, you know, <clears throat> What's that, Bill? Go ahead, Gene. Sorry. I said go no, ahead. No, I was just going to say that's you know the uh, being aggressive at the final table is always going to be a recipe for success, and then of course. 
there's the story of that hand uh, a few days ago um, when you made the guy lay down kings three-handed. Uh, can you tell us about that hand? Um, well, there's that part of being aggressive, but that was actually pretty aggressively stupid. I could have easily punted, um, I don't know, 40% of my stack to him. It was an all right, outright bluff. Um, I did have an overcard. <laughs> yes, you did. Hey, and what's what's the other thing people say? It was suited. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we get. Uh, I look down at Ace Nine suited on the button and make it. Two and a half big small blind folds. Big blind comes back over the top for two hundred seventy-five thousand. Probably about sixty percent of his stack or more, maybe seventy. I don't. I don't know. But before his chips hit the felt, he called it out, and it wasn't even a half second. I screamed all in with authority. I've never seen anybody tank so long. I really didn't. And uh, he he sat there and debated and debated and debated with himself and kept asking me questions. And I said, but my hand's not going to change, and neither is yours. So you need to make a decision. I said, I'm not calling the clock on you. I think Juan... I ended up chopping with, he got up and started stretching and walking around because there's, I, I don't I, it may have even been break that we went into. I just sat back and waited for him and he's like, will you show me? And I said, I, I'll let you pick one. I don't care which one. And he folded. And then he's like, I get to see. And I said, I told you you could see one. And I pushed the cards forward and he picked up the nine of hearts and his eyes rolled, and he gasped and threw the card at me. <laughs> that was pretty much it. And I thought at that point I was going to, you know, just run over the two of them um, because neither one of them had more than 200000 at that point. And then Juan just went on a heater. And I probably should have called him a couple of hands and taken him out, you know. But... When he when he was going in, he was showing really quality hands, and I don't think that he would have pushed without. I just I figured I was beat. Maybe I should have taken the risk when he had a smaller stack, but uh, live and learn. So I think it's interesting that hand uh, to me as an outsider and observing the way he's played, and <clears throat> we've actually had a chance to play a lot of tables, final tables included recently. But I think your strength is. Like you said, aggression at the final table. Me and you have talked about big blinds and ICM and that kind of stuff. And you said you don't pay attention to that. And I think that is a strength for you because the guy that folded the Kings, he looked over at his, the third person, Juan, and he had no chips. So the guy was, if he called off with Kings there, and you know he was giving you credit for a hand you didn't have, but if he called off with Kings there, he was potentially going to jeopardize losing all the money that was in second place when the other guy is 
very likely to go out in third. So in that spot, you're pushing, you know, this guy to make a decision for for real money and being aggressive is a, a line that other people aren't doing. A lot of other people are like, well, how many big blinds am I going to have if I fold? What's, what's the ITM here? How much do I p- potentially can I ladder up? And I know you don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I people look at the clock. Um, I I only look at the clock so I can be reminded of where we are on the blinds. Um, so I know how much to put up. <laughs> because you know, everybody's suffering through the same thing. Now, if I get really short, I'm gonna watch the clock. Of course I'm gonna watch the clock. So all I'm doing is looking at the payouts and trying to fold to climb that ladder. Um as I, you know, but, I, but yeah, if you're not sure I know it's the aggressive. opposite. Well yeah, but when when you are short how far can you fold? Um, in the main event at Pearl River just a few weeks ago, um, Derek Norman, he said to me, he's like, i never seen anybody just sit there and fold, 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 fold until they got three big blinds. What the hell are you doing? You know, and he's like getting irritated by it. Um, I don't know. It seemed that way. Uh, Derek and I are friends, but... If I don't have quality cards, uh, my chips aren't going in the center. Now, you know, now if I got a big stack, uh, I'm going to take some more risks. But I've I folded down to a blind, blind and a half, and y'all are witness to that in Shreveport. Um, what was it? Was it the first event or the or the second event? It was a second I event. The first event. Um, I was. You, you sure? Where I doubled through Dennis yeah. or tripled? Is that uh, that was I, the second I just event, was thinking of the one you you came back as the short stack and you were chip leader within three hands on day two. And I. Well, All right. Well, that was the first event. That was the first event. The second yeah. event. The, the second event, I was the chip leader, just <laughs> rolling through it again. And uh, then I got into a hand where the guy, I think I had about 650000 but this is before bagging. And he uh, he makes a considerable raise. And I look at him, and I can see in his eyes that he's got aces or kings. And I look down in a big blind. And I got pocket mines. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to definitely not three bet in this guy. <laughs> and something told me just lay the the hands down. So look at him. Okay, okay, if I don't flop top set, I'll just throw it away. I'm going to take that risk. I make the call. Oh, what do you know? Top set, flop, boom. Check. <laughs> he bets out a large bet. I raise him. He goes all in. That's exactly what I wanted to do. He turns over pocket kings. He stands up. God damn it, he got me. And he starts putting his jacket on. And the dealer puts out two more cards. King, king. See, he makes quad, sits back down. He takes 
I don't know, almost half my stack. And then after that, I went cold. I mean, just cold. And I folded for probably three hours. And I folded down to the big blind and a half and the small blind. So I had, I get down, I'm forced into the big blind. And because I didn't have quality cards, and I'm forced in the big blind with, uh, I, I have the big blind covered in the ante, and I have enough for the small blind of 5,000, as the blinds were five and 10,000. Uh, Dennis, who was the, was that, uh, from the WSOP, he, he raises in the, in the hijack, and, and, uh, the button calls him. And this is like forex. I mean, it doesn't matter. And then Dennis yells over at me, and he's like, "What you gonna do now? You can't fold now." I'm like, I look down, and I got six deuce offsuit, uh, which I was accused of playing earlier. I'm like, well, since I was accused of playing it, let's see what happens. <laughs> I just throw my last chip in there. What do you know? Trip deuces, crack kings and queens. Bill was sitting at the table there. He, he started laughing because I'd stood up and sat back down. <laughs> um, I don't know how much I ended up bagging that night. It wasn't much, but that's, uh, that's where the sub, uh, sub that was crushing every hand he played. So it was, it was good to chop that final table at five handed. So what, uh, anyway, what's your, are you going to uh, be able to come up to Shreveport uh, for our event in December? Oh, I can't wait. Shreveport was awesome. <laughs> the staff were awesome. Uh, the facilities, exquisite rooms. Uh, I, I really enjoyed playing there. Um, it was nice going back and, and hanging out at what used to be the El Dorado. Um, and you said the, the card room used to be on the first floor. They had it walled up. I, walked in and they uh they said oh it's upstairs now so i took the escalator up and it's it's nice being in that kind of confined area and said they're going to add more tables i hope they get some of those slots out of there that, that'd be nice it was a nice dedicated area with a uh, food service bar and the cocktail waitresses were sweet and on time, and you weren't having to wait around for a drink. Yeah, I think they had free hot dogs too on certain days, and uh, some, some nachos. Free hot I think. dogs. Yeah. yeah, it was nice. Well, and I wasn't really eating while I was playing because I, I, if I'm winning, I tend to be a glutton. <laughs> <laughs> Try to go out for some some uh, better food than what's served on site. Yeah, there's some good restaurants in Shreveport. Uh, we found uh, a lot of good places at different price ranges uh, to eat. Um, I'm kind of excited about it too. I'm looking forward to uh, the eating off property. Uh, although they had a pretty good. Uh, breakfast place on property, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let me ask you this, Chuck. So we talked about a lot of the good times. What about some of the bad times? Uh, I feel like you're the kind of player that runs really hot 
you got all these, when you look at Hindenmoff, you don't normally just cash once in a series. It might be two or three times every series. And then are there, what's, what are the downtimes like? Because every poker players has got them. Um, yeah, they're pretty horrible. I don't really, I don't really, uh, cruise that middle line. Um, if, if I'm winning, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting lucky. Um, but again, how do you play those cards getting those, how do you play those cards that you've gotten luckily? Um, I, I get those same cards during these cold streaks and I play them and end up catching somebody either trying to bluff or getting them to put their chips in when they shouldn't be. And 90, 95% of the time I'm ahead way, way ahead. And, you know, I went after that cash in, uh, for 34 K in fourth place at Pearl River in November, I think it was November. I don't know. Um, I went, I only had one cash, and that was in January until Shreveport. You know, I, I won some smaller tournaments like at the Bow and Harris, you know, just weeklies, but in, in big events, it was a bottomless pit. And how do you deal with that mentally? Very, well, um, you just got to let it go. It was very demoralizing. You know, what am I doing wrong? But I wasn't doing anything wrong. It's just sometimes, you know, you can't beat dumb luck. <laughs> there's, you know, there's bad luck, there's good luck, and there's dumb luck where people shouldn't be in a pot or you're trying to get their stack and they'll hit you with a five or two outer, you know, gut shots galore. That's what I was calling Pearl river back in March or whenever we were up there in the spring. Um, that, that, that was, it was horrible. I, I went out of, uh, five tournaments to gut shots when I had top set. And we got it in either on the flop or on the turn. Yeah. It was brutal. I'm not going to lie. Hey. Yeah. And, you know, um, having having that nine to five helps cushion that blow, you know, not, not, uh, not having to rely on a bankroll to live kind of helps. Yeah, you're right. That's definitely the case. Tell us, uh, tell us about the players that you've been playing with and on the Gulf Coast. Who would you consider the toughest uh, tournament players you've played against? Um, none of them. No. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, you know, BJ, Derek, Norman, Matt Higgins. I haven't clashed too much with these guys, but when we have been at tables, just watching their play. Um, 
I would I would say Gavin Monroe as well. Solid player. Very very aggressive, very loose. Um and he he has caught me. He's gotten lucky against me, but he got lucky before getting my chips in the middle. Um not not after. He's uh you never know what he's playing, and sometimes it's very deceiving. And um, he got me a Pearl River in one hand uh, just this last series. You never know what he's raising with. And I never re-raised him because I was playing the hooks, and I got both of them in each cheek and could not let go. Um, and we both made a full house. Uh, he had pocket kings. You know, it was – but he played them just like he played Deuce three offsuit, um, and I give him credit for that. Uh, that's why he's got a lot of wins, and I admire him for it. So Charles, Hello? you, uh, yep. What was I going to say? Um, tell us a little bit about some of the medical issues in your life. I know that it makes sitting at a poker table, which is something we got to do for long stretches at a time, a little more difficult for you than for other people. Um, and can you touch on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty broken. Uh, you might you might call me the evil Knievel of poker. <laughs> uh, not many people know uh, how. How many broken bones I've had, but uh, it's quite a few. Broken over half of them. Um, I've folded my right knee backwards and sideways, set it back myself once, um, and climbed back on the motorcycle I just wrecked. Um, just hardcore sports. I've uh, broken all my toes. The right knee thing. I think I broke. Yeah, I broke my left leg once. Um, my lower back, the, uh, the discs are going out and that might be something from bending over at the poker table a lot. Um, I, I've, uh, broken both collarbones, the left one twice. And on that second time, I broke my left shoulder blade, ripped my arm out of socket and broke my neck. Um, also fractured my cheek. Uh, How did you do that? Was that, oh, um... Tripping on the stairs? Um, you, uh... <laughs> uh, no, I was uh, the the snowboard. That was when I broke my neck and did all that on. That was a snowboarding accident. Um, we were what's in quotation marks training, um, you know, downhill racing at uh, Brighton in the middle of the night. We were trespassing and hiking up the slopes on a full moon. And uh, my uh, competitor slash friend, we were racing down a mountain, probably doing about 50 to 60 miles per hour. And uh, there were some girls hiking up on the left side, which is where the left side of the slope, which is where I was. And my buddy wanted to talk to him. And he cut right in front of my path and, um, I tried to get around him. He was in my blind side when he came across, 
and I got on my toe edge, so I was damn near parallel to the ground and cutting around him, and the only thing that hit him was my head, dead center mass of his back. It uh, broke... Hello? Did we lose you, Chuck? Chuck? Hello? Chuck, are you there? Chuck? Well, I guess, Bill, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. All right. Yeah, uh, uh, he's on here, but he he must have must have lost signal on his phone. Yeah, maybe we can cut out that last question or something. Yeah. All right, folks. Um, thank you for listening. Sorry we lost our guests, but we're almost right at fifty minutes. We were fixing to wrap it up anyway. Uh, stay tuned for our next podcast. And again, thanks again. See you, Bill. See you guys.